Listener-supported KFUO, the messenger of good news. I'm Gary. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side. And I know we're supposed to be a non-commercial radio station, but it seems every speaker I talk to on Monday afternoon wants to sell something. Sometimes it's St. Peter who wants me to endorse his catfish bait. He even named it after me, Stinky Gary Duncan Catfish Bait. Wait a minute. Pardon me. That's supposed to be Stinky, comma, Gary Duncan. Catfish bait. Then it's Professor Lakowski who's promoting the latest products from the BURP, the Biblical Understanding Research Project. He was on last week promoting his stuff. Then uh, this week we have Dr. Luke, and last time we talked, he was trying to sell me his hair restoration elixir. I, I got plenty of tonics if you're interested, Mr. Duncan. In fact, I have a box of my amazing hair refurbished leeches with your name on it. They'll suck the hair right out of your scalp. Well, that's all right, Dr. Luke. I learned last week from Brady Finnerton on Thy Strong Word that going bald doesn't make you unclean in God's eyes, so... I'm satisfied with my hair just the way it is. Well, if you change your mind, let me know. Actually, I'm not here to sell any ointments today. Rather, I'm here to give you and your listeners some financial advice. And if you'd like it, there's plenty more in my latest DVD book combo, Dr. Luke's Financial Guide to Saying Hee-Haw in Ho-Hum Times. I should have known that there was going to be some kind of commercial somewhere. Uh, But but before I share my advice, uh, there is one complaint I I have to make. A complaint? Huh. So what's that all about, Dr. Luke? Well, you know, as I was researching my financial advice, I I read across a passage in my gospel, mind you, the gospel of Luke, that was less than adequately translated. I don't know why these English translators don't consult me when they go about their business. I could certainly set them straight on a few things. Well, it may be because you're just a fictional character doing a radio play, not having any real similarities with the actual Luke. Yeah, that that's probably the reason. <laughs> but as a pretend Dr. Luke, why don't you share with us your translational concerns? Well, that I will. Uh, read, if you would, there, Gary. Luke chapter 16, verse 11. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And also uh, the end of verse 13. You cannot serve God and money. Now, you'd never guess it from the English... But Jesus uses the same word in both verses. Why, why the word translated wealth and the word translated money are actually the same word, mammon. Mammon, now that word sounds familiar. That's the word the King James Version used. I can see why there's newer translations changes that. But I, I mean, after all, what does the word mammon even mean? Well, but, but it's an important word to retain. Why is that? Well, because it's one of the handful of words that Jesus actually spoke while he was here on this earth. Wait a second. I thought all the words of the gospel were the words of Jesus. Well, certainly, as Paul says in 2 Timothy, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. But when Jesus first spoke these words, he said them in his native tongue of Aramaic. However, when, when I wrote them down, I did a little translating of my own. I put them in the common language of the world, which at that time was Greek. I see, just like English is spoken around the globe today. 
There are just a few of Jesus' original words left in the text. Now, now one of these there words is Abba, Aramaic for Father. And then there's those words from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Oh, right. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. And along with these is the Aramaic word mammon. But, again, what does mammon mean? Well, well, it, it, it does mean wealth and money, but, but it can also mean slaves, land, basically anything that you can possess. The other thing is mammon often has a negative connotation. It's used for ill-gotten gain, for, for bribery, paid to judges, and, and ransom, demand by kidnappers. Which, why I suppose, is why the English translator called it unrighteous wealth. Uh, which in itself is a common Aramaic phrase. Are you saying then that money is evil? Well, well not at all. As Paul says, it, it's the love of money that is the root of all evil. But mammon, yeah, by its very nature, will always be a source of temptation. And Paul goes on to say, It is through the craving for money that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. Yeah, that, that's sure true. And as Jesus warned, there is always the danger we will serve mammon rather than God. Oh, oh, but there is a solution to that, as provided by another Luke-exclusive. Jesus' parable of the unjust manager won't find it anywhere else except in my gospel. Read, if you would, there, Luke 16, verses 1 through 9. I'll just sit and listen. Okay, let me get it real quick here. <clears throat> That's uh, Luke 16, 1 through 9. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that the man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, what is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg, and I have decided what to do, so that's when I'm removed from management. People may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to the other, and how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. I'm glad you brought that parable up. That's one of Jesus' stories that also confused me. Is Jesus saying we are to handle our money like this dishonest manager? <laughs> it is a surprise that he would use such a character as a hero in the story. I often recorded how the Pharisees criticized Jesus for eating and drinking with sinners. You can imagine the cry they must have raised when Jesus used a sinner as a model of behavior. <laughs> so are we supposed to cheat our employers and abscond with company funds? Oh, well, of course not. But there are some things we can learn from this fraudulent employee. First of all, this story reminds us that we really don't own our mammon. We're just managing it for someone else. Our Lutheran Catechism points that out when it says, God also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all that I have. 
Yeah, that's right. All of our mammon actually belongs to God. He gave it to us. Which brings up the second point of comparison. Someday, we're all going to have to give an account of our management. And like it or not, at that point, all of our mammon is going to be taken away. And as the old saying goes, you can't take it with you. <laughs> Which brings us to the third and most important point of the parable. Not that we should lie and cheat, but we should use our mammon for the same purpose this dishonest manager did. But read what Jesus says the moral of the story is. Okay. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth or mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. Yeah, make, make friends. The, the point is simple. We ought to take this mammon God has given us and use it to make friends who, who will greet us in the eternal dwellings. It seems to me this kind of behavior, though, is only possible where there is first faith. Well, what do you mean, Dr. Luke? Well, you know, if you think all you're ever going to get is what you have here, then naturally you're going to use it all for yourself. But if you believe, as the gospel teaches, that Jesus even now is, is preparing a mansion for us in our Father's house, then you would realize what you have now is a pittance compared to what you will have in those eternal dwellings. I, I think I get you. So why not use the unrighteous mammon we have now to make friends who we will enjoy eternally in heaven? You know, come to think of it, the gospel writer Matthew makes a similar point. Well, he does. What, what's that, Mr. Duncan? Well, he talks about the final judgment where Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was naked and you clothed me. These are all examples of using our mammon to make friends who will greet us in the eternal dwellings. Kind of also reminds me of a church convention I attended a year ago. Well, well go on. You got me interested. Well, there was a little fellow from Africa who addressed us. He told us it was because of our offering that missionaries had been sent to his village. Because of our gifts, he had come to know about the eternal dwellings God had prepared for him. He told us he wanted us to go back to our congregations and tell them his story. Well, well why was that? Well, so that when they got to heaven and some little African guy came up to them and said, thank you, they would know what he was talking about. Oh, <laughs> that's a good story there, Mr. Duncan. And so that's how we should use our worldly mammon. Well, use it to strengthen the ties between family, friends, and, well, I guess even people on the other side of the world. Do it all in the hope that we will see these people again in the eternal dwellings. And I agree with you, too, Dr. Luke. It, it's something we only do wholeheartedly if we believe that the eternal dwellings are already guaranteed to us by the generosity of Jesus Christ. You know, there, there is another point I want to make. As I mentioned before, when you read my gospel, it's important to know whom Jesus is addressing. So, so read the first verse of that parable again, if you would. Okay. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager. You'll note here he is addressing believers, his disciples, I said. As such, he is, Jesus, very frank about the need to serve God rather than mammon. But he's also very comforting, you know, in mentioning the eternal dwellings that even now Jesus is preparing for you and me. However, next week, 
We'll have another financial parable. This one's addressed to unbelievers, to those who love their money. And trust me, there won't be anything comforting in what he says to them. Just hellfire and brimstone. Oh, that sounds a little scary to me, but with Halloween just around the corner, it might be just the parable for us to hear. Until next week, Dr. Luke. Until next week, Gary. We are the messenger of good news. We are worldwide at KFUO.org. We're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. And you can find our podcast wherever you get your podcast or on our webpage at KFUO.org.